text, you might kind of wonder why in the world I'm picking a Proverbs. Well, I, this is about my 25th bonding Sunday or so, and so sermon, and so I've tried each time to pick a different verse to kind of give you a different perspective. You know, preaching is intended to teach the Bible, but it's also to motivate you to do something about it. And so I really am more after that than I am about teaching you something you don't know as much as how does a young person stay pure in the world that we're surrounded with? And it's really a hard thing to do. I think what I've noticed about Christian uh, uh, students, a lot of you all had promise rings when you were younger and promises made, maybe in your youth group, but I still have noticed an enormous amount of a lack of parents talking about sexuality. It's really funny. I don't know how many of your parents have really sat you down and said very much other than how to is, is, and stuff. But I, I feel like that's something maybe the church has to fill the gap a little bit about this for sure. But it's that we have to teach on it so that people understand. So look at this. This is Old Testament, 2,700 years old at least. They have an original copy of this. Okay, so you know it's been around a while. And so I feel like it has some staying power. I, I laugh sometimes about the arrogance of young people, especially me when I was young, that this is a new world and sexuality is different than it used to be. And then as you get older, you realize, nope, it's the same problem going around. There's a Bible verse that says, there is no sin that's not common to man, meaning every lustful thought you've ever had, somebody else had it before you. Every deviant thing you ever did, somebody else did it. And it's like, it can be scary, but it's also comforting to know that God can forgive, right? And can start again. My goal for you tonight is to start again. If you've lost your virginity and made some mistakes in your sexuality, you get a new start. You know what I mean? God does not want you to continue in this sin, but to, to draw the line and learn to be a faithful man or woman of God until the time comes where you can express it in a godly way. So this is, again, really old. And you girls, it's sexist, but reverse it. Just say, instead of my son, say, my daughter, okay? My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way to life. Keeping, up, keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman, do not lust in your hearts after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? I love that. Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. And then down to 32. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself, blows in disgrace or his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. Let's pray. Oh Lord, take these ancient words. Help explain to us what it means to us today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I love that. Listen to wise counsel. And you know, it talks about your father and your mother like they're spiritual. The assumption is, of course, of course that they're godly people and would give you good advice. One of the things I was reading about this whole subject is you never run into people who go, gee, I wished I lived more like a sinner when I was in college. You know, most people that I've heard in the church will go, oh, if I'd only walked with God in college, I'd have married a different person, or I'd have been, you know, more spiritually minded about my life decisions. So it's kind of funny. You never hear them the other way. It's like, oh man, I wish I'd partied a lot more. A lot more. I even run into parents every once in a while that partied a whole lot. We had a, a lady from Beaumont who was really unnerved by her, her son coming to Wesley so much, and, and all because she was such a party animal, and she just couldn't understand why Chris didn't want to be that way. Think of it this way. 
God wants, do you really believe it? God wants you to have a great life with joy and happiness and fulfillment. He's not the mean person out there going, no, no, no. Instead, he's going, I know the best way for you to live, the way you'll be happiest and most fulfilled, even most sexually successful. Okay, let's be bold here. If you want to have, uh, Josh, uh, I forget his last name, used to write a book, it's called, or had a program called Maximum Sex. And people would just show up to here. And all he was saying that the maximum sex you'll have in your life is when you're happily married to a woman who likes it too. And it's like, that's the real truth of it. All the sleeping around before ends up being meaningless and costly and a failure. And then you're alone at the end. You know, this other kind of love is beautiful. So I know I don't want to scare you, but if your parents are happily married, their sex life is most likely pretty good, guys. I know it's a disgusting thought, but it's probably true. And they're glad you're away at college. How do you like that for a thought? <laughs> they're glad you're away. So anyway, I, I, I think adultery, what's so bad about adultery, guys, opposed, you know, it kind of makes the parallel between, between prostitutes and adulteresses and, and, or adulterers. And I think it's kind of interesting. He's not trying to say, go to a prostitute, that's better. He's just trying to point out there is no such thing. I hope you're listening. There's no such thing as free sex. It does not happen. You know, you guys have been taught since you were kids about STDs and diseases you can get and all these horrible things. That's not the worst damage. The worst damage is emotional. The most, the most damage is in your ability to love and to be loyal and faithful to somebody. That's what you're sacrificing when you're sleeping with somebody you don't love. So Dr. Joy, I'll go, jump back to him real quick. Years ago told me this when I was in seminary, and I didn't believe him, and now I do. He said, you have a choice. If you're sleeping with your roommate or yeah, roommate, partner, whatever, you know, sorry, sorry guys. But anyway, it's like, you know, you have to make a decision. You either break up now and completely stop or you move towards marriage. There is no slowing down, quitting. The payoff for sex is so great that you get stuck. It's almost like quicksand because you sort of start thinking you're okay. And the next thing you know, you're stuck and you know you're not in love, but you love the sex. And then you just stay in this relationship, hurting yourself and them. Think about adultery. Let's take a new definition, right? You could play the game of adultery means no sex with a married person, but actually means no sex with someone else's spouse to be or not. So it could be and is, in my mind, and most traditional Christian thought and Jewish thought is that if you sleep with somebody outside of marriage, you're sleeping with somebody else's spouse to be. See what I'm saying? So there is no freebies that you can just kind of have a relationship in college and then when you graduate, leave you. One of the things at grad school that happens quite a bit, by the way, as people will be partnered up, living together in, in grad school, or even married, and then when grad school, the hard times are over, they get divorced. You know, so basically, one person uses the other for financial support through or emotional support through grad school, and then they just break up. It's like, that's mean. Isn't that mean? I don't know about you, my heart is, is, is delicate enough. I don't give it away easily, and when I give it away, I don't expect it to be smashed you know, or be lied to. And so it's, it's kind of an important thing that Liz knows that she's got my heart in her hand, and to break, break my heart would be devastating to me. Y'all ever been through an emotional breakup yet? It's like, you think it's bad now. Think about if you've been sleeping together and thinking you're married or going to be married, and then they break it off. I have seen college students go absolutely ballistic, suicidal, crazy, homicidal, you know, just every way you can think of, over romance. And you're like, what are they doing? We actually had a, a freshman maybe five years ago, jump off the garage over here because his girlfriend broke up with him when he's a freshman. I mean, who's supposed to be that much in love when they're a freshman? But some people get really hooked really fast and get really dramatic about it too. And what a sad way to end a life. So it says, avoid the smooth talk of the wayward person. I made it a person because I feel like 
You girls, there's some guys that are really good, and I'm going to be harsh here, but I, I know people that I love even that are great at romance. They're romantics, and they like, can write little love notes. And, you know, I told this story a couple times. You probably remember. But we had one guy here who's a musician, a guitarist, and he wrote a love song for his girlfriend named Tammy, and then they broke up. Right? Tammy was very impressed by all this, for sure. And then they broke up, and so he took it and scratched out the name and wrote in the new girlfriend's name and sang it to the new girlfriend and said, this song I wrote for you, isn't that sweet? Girls, don't be dumb. You know, it's like, don't be dumb. You know, it's like, uh, we actually had that same guy. At some point, this girl started dating him, and I, I called her in my office and said, I said, you know, I really love David. He's a good guy. But you know, he's had six girlfriends here at Wesley, and they all have broken up badly. And she said, I just wanted her to know that he had a record of smashing hearts, you know what I mean, and, and doing it. It's like, I, I feel like sometimes you just have to look around, ask your friends, what do you think about this guy? You know, do you really trust him? How well do you know him? I would even be bold enough girls to say, don't date random people on campus. I would just say no. You know, just go, you want to you wanna date me? Come to Wesley and hang out at church for a little while and we'll find out what kind of person you are before I get out and alone with you kind of stuff. Same thing with you guys. I think the girls can be pretty aggressive about this too. Maybe you ought to be wise and find out what, what is their faith? Are you really a possibility for a long-term relationship kind of stuff? The wrong you do to others is what that scripture said will be brought back to you, remember? It's like if, when you default against somebody, you hurt them, defraud, excuse me, defraud them. In a way, God's saying, I love that person as much as you, and you just stomp that person's heart. Or you use them sexually, and then had no intention of marrying them, you know? I feel like that's something you guys ought to think about. Do not lessen your hearts for someone else's spouse. So that's an interesting, how in the world, if everybody's going to end up married hardly, then everybody's got to have a sort of pre-spouse situation, right? They're not married yet. But you know what? Now as I look back at all the girls I dated over the years, and they were many, you know, it's like I dated a lot, didn't do a lot of sin, just dated a lot of people. But I really wonder how many I hurt without even realizing that I was hurting them. I didn't sin with them, but that doesn't mean I didn't emotionally hurt them. I know one of the girls that Liz and I have talked about uh, I just, you guys don't do this. But anyway, I, I dated this girl for a while. Her name, I think her name was Gail, right? Gail, yeah, and, and whatever her name was. But either way, she, she was a real nice girl, but she was really boring, you know, and she was pretty, but she just really wasn't a conversationalist and certainly wasn't a Liz, you know. And so I just sort of stopped going out with her. Did you ever do that? Rather than be a man and say, I think we're not, there's no future here, I just stopped. Not a good idea. You know, it's like she probably has a pin doll with max pins stuck all over. You know, it's like, and, and I didn't even, I seriously did not know that I would hurt her. I just thought it'd be less painful if I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so anyway, that's why God makes me be a campus minister. But anyway, I, I do think focus on now at this point in your life, learning to control the raging tiger within you. Be honest, know that the tiger's there. Anybody, any guys going to raise their hand? You're not a tiger, Josh? whatever, you're a lion. You know, it's like whatever. You know, it's like, I, I feel like own the fact that you're a sexual being and you can tell people, don't touch me there. You know, don't hold me that way. You know, don't rub my back too low. You know, I don't know what the, the thing is, but it's like you've got to be man enough to go, that's not where I want to go because even you can be used if they get you in the right mood, in the right place, alone. I'm going to give you just some d- advice and I can't prove it, but I don't think you belong in the bedroom of your girlfriend or the boyfriend. I just don't think you belong there. And if you are, the door should be open. Certainly, you close that door, and you go in that bedroom, I would just say, Satan has more uh, luck with you than God does. You know, it's like, and, and you're smirking, Ryan, stay out of her bedroom. But anyway, it's like, you know, I, I really do think, you say, Max, that's super conservative. No, I don't think you should be alone in the apartment with your girlfriend or boyfriend. 
Because what's to stop you from going too far? There's no real accountability in it. So somewhere you got to own the fact that you're a dangerous animal, Josh. You know, it's like, you know, it's like there's, there's a, a possibility that you could lose as great a man as you are, you, you could lose control. I mean, how many of us could go to the beach, for instance, and not, not lust at all, just not notice the beautiful girls running around in bikinis? It's like, I don't know anybody that could do that. Not even my dad. And that's scary. You know, it's like, you don't like to think you're that way. But I feel like you've got to learn to control your mind and control what you see. And so if you're dwelling on girls, if you're dwelling on romantic movies and romantic books all the time, you're going to fall some dumb romantic way with no logic at all. You've got to stop yourself and go, hey, there's something about logic in this too, right? It's not all about feeling. We talked about in Sunday school this morning, it's provable that for six months when you're dating somebody, that you're in an infatuation stage and you cannot make a rational decision about love and marriage. You've got to date them long enough to be able to see what kind of person they really are. And if, if you look at them and you think, perfect in absolutely every way, you know you're in an infatuation stage, not love, right? Because love sees the real person and stuff. Maybe not all of the real person, but certainly some of it. I think what we really do, sort of not meaning to, is we date people and we go out with them and use them for our personal gratification, what feels good for us, and we don't really think about what we're doing to them. Are we tempting them? Are we, are we like giving the impression that we're really committed unto marriage? That's really wrong, guys. We've had several situations that I've been aware of, of people who are sleeping together as friends. And it never works. Are you hearing me? It never works. That's a lie that was on friends back when you were little kids that has never worked and never will work. You know, it's like you try sleeping around in your friend group and you won't have a friend group very long. That's the reality of what it's really about. So then, can a person scoop fire into his lap? I love that. I was reading the Darwin Awards for 2017. You guys know what the Darwin Awards are? These are the stupid things that people do that I think they have to die. If they don't die, they at least hurt themselves really badly. So there's this magician in Malaysia, wherever that is, and he was steaming, steaming himself. I don't know where Malaysia is, but anyways, he's steaming himself in front of people. So he gets in a, a, a basically, do you know what a wok is, a giant wok? He gets in a wok, and he puts the vegetables all around him, and he gets in, and he prays, and they put the top on, and they steamed him. You know what? He died. You know? It's like, it's like, Hmm. So what kind of idiot, if you think about it, knows what's wrong and what adultery will do to them, still does it, right? It's the same thing. It's like doing the most daring, stupid thing you could do over and over. And sooner or later, you're going to pay. And you're going to pay in a big way. And it's like, if you know that, that kind of motivates me, guys, to learn how to be faithful. This is harsh, but it's true. If you don't learn to be faithful before marriage, you're not going to learn after. After, you'll be cheating too. You'll be looking for somebody else never happy, content with the relationship you have. And that's a hard lesson to learn. So no one, I love this too, no one sleeps with another spouse will go unpunished. That sounds really harsh, but you got to understand that they weren't talking about sleeping, right? We all know that. They're not talking about sleeping with a spouse. They're talking about having sex with somebody else's spouse. And I feel like, don't play the legalistic game that we like to play in our culture that this is okay because we're not technically sleeping together. We do it in the daytime. You know, or it's like, or, you know, we, we just get naked and play around, but we don't actually have intercourse. You know, it's like, I want to see you explain that to God when you get up there. Well, I really didn't use her. We just played naked. You know, it's like a lot. But anyway, it's like, I don't think that's really realistic at all. But I've heard people do it. Christians use the argument. It's not a sin till you actually penetrate. You know, anything else is, is okay. And it's like, wrong. That's not, that is way too intimate. Do you think oral sex is not sex, really? Come on, 
We all know the truth about that. How often do you do that with strangers? You know, it's like, that's pretty darn intimate. It's like, I don't know about you. It's a very intimate kind of thing to me. So uh, how much pain do you want to spare yourself? I feel like that's the ultimate question with this chapter. 2,700 years ago, telling the same thing that I'm trying to tell you right now, you lose. Make the rational choice. Just like, it's not about promise rings. It's not about that. It's about learning to keep your sexuality in check and making sure you're dating people that with the same kind of standard. You have to verbalize the standard of how much is too far. And even then, there's mess-ups. There is grace and there is forgiveness, but you can't just let go of this one and just go, let's do whatever the body says. Do you honestly think if we all, this is my dream I've shared with some of you, we'll all be like a beehive, and we all have a little place in our hive, and we just pollinate everybody or whatever, and we can have sex with everybody. It's never going to work. Every time they try it, it falls apart. That's not what we're created for. Right? We're created for the long-term monogamous relationship. I believe it with my whole heart. I love my wife like I could never love anybody else. You know what I mean? It's like it's too long and too much time and too much intimacy to be able to just go, up. Oh, it's over. You know, it's like I can't even imagine. It's like I think that's wonderful. When you go through five marriages, you probably never get there. You know what I mean? You're never going to find it. When you live with seven different people, they're never going to experience what I think God is trying to say. In 1 Corinthians 6, it says, that when we do sexual sin, it's like a sin against our own body. In a sense, we're hurting ourselves by letting our sexuality be used the wrong way. Cool thought. God created your sexuality, said it was beautiful in marriage. You just got to make it. Wouldn't it be great if you could get married at 16 when your hormones start first hitting? But that's not our culture, is it? It's like you're lucky to be married by 27. So it seems like you're going to have to learn some uh, management skills, right, guys? Some, some lines that just too much. All God's commands are designed to do good, to give us joy, to give us victory, right? That's what we want is victory. Let's pray for that, okay? I don't expect you got to be perfect. I don't care what your past was, but you can start from tonight and go, I'm going to win in this one. I'm going to get into a long-term love that, that lasts, right, with a sexual relationship, and it'll be joy. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, help us find victory in, in this subject. Satan can push us around and torment us on this subject. Or we can turn it over to you, Lord, and gain the control and the discipline that we need. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.